everyone back for another episode of the team blaney podcast my name is adam rogers and alongside me as always is co-host steve mez if it's your first time listening to this podcast it's brought to you by fans for fans steve and i have been following the blaney racing family for two decades and team blaney itself has been offering news notes and analysis to fans on social media since 2014 so go ahead and pull those belts tight and hang on as we throw the green flag on our recap of ryan blaney's run and the m&m's fan appreciation 400 this past weekend at Pocono Raceway. Steve, welcome back. I know we want to jump into our recap of Pocono, but it was a big week in Blaney fandom. And because of that big week, we thought it best to bring in a special guest again to help us recap, actually, the SRX series trip to Sharon Speedway. And that special guest, of course, is your wife, Kate Mez. Kate, welcome back again. Thanks for having me. So big week, like I said, for Blaney fans, something that uh, we on the podcast have been talking about for months since the announcement. Um, and finally, the day was here. And luckily, the two of you were our Team Blaney's, what I call the Team Blaney's Team Mez roaming reporters out there at Sharon Speedway, uh, where you guys, you know, had some access to, to see all the sights and sounds and everything up close as the night kind of unfolded. Uh, do you, I know you guys were pumped to attend the event in the first place. Um, was it everything that you expected? Was there anything unexpected? And uh, what were your favorite parts of the night? Hmm. All those well, questions. Answer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for me personally, um, the, I want to thank Hawk and, uh, you know, Mr. Hawk and SRX for um, giving us a chance to experience it from a different angle. Uh, uh, that's something, um, our access, uh, that we got to have and that, uh, hopefully team Blaney people got to see on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I know as the night went on, you posted more and more pictures as we were able to send them. Um, those things, uh, were really great for, for the fans, uh, that weren't there to be able to see, um, you know, the pictures that uh, we were able to send the videos that we were able to send. Um, and I know right now, like uh, literally Ryan uh, retweeted my photo dump that I did the next day and I'm getting like notifications like crazy on Facebook right now, which is fine. I mean, that's what they're for. Uh, I'm hoping that people get to see some things they didn't get to see on TV. You know, um, the fans that were there got to see some great things. Um, I, who's the one picture that you did that you actually reposted that had the two of them standing on the track together, Dave and uh, Ryan? We did. I think his name was Jeff dean or something like that yeah. um but it's with somebody that follows team blaney that was on site there and they actually kind of captured a photo there and uh made sure i i posted that one gave them some credit but i think that was the coolest thing that we had you guys on site and there's actually people commenting as it went like you know thanking us uh for kind of giving that a little bit you know an inside look or you know behind the scenes look of the night as it unfolded because obviously this was a big deal for dave and ryan and sharon speedway 
Uh, but SRX is also there covering their entire series and all of their drivers. So, you know, you know, they're posting stuff about Dave and Ryan, but they're also posting, you know, Tony Stewart and Tony Kanaan and, and they're focusing on the, the event as a whole, what you guys were able to provide. And then through kind of our teamwork throughout the night, trying to get all that content out there, um, which is, like I said, that behind the scenes kind of look for fans. And I think a lot of the people across all of our social media platforms really, really appreciated the work that you guys were doing. So it was awesome. So we started off, um, we got there a little, you know, the gates open at like two, but I think we got there, what, about four, a little bit after four? It, it was right at four. Okay. And at that point, Ryan uh, and Chase and uh, Joey were not there yet. So um, we did head down to the pit area right off the bat. Um, and then Kate starts snapping photos like crazy. Well, I mean, we were like right up against the cars. Like we could walk in and out of the cars and see everything so yeah yeah well we had uh, access to a uh, press box type of uh, 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 suite um, so that was the only mistake I think we made is we went from that area to the suite to watch the action on the track like when they went practice and so forth and we, yeah. we were um, at that point we missed guys like jumping into the cars that was one thing we probably could have got to see that we didn't um, but um, we had pretty good, pretty good, like I said, pretty good location there. Um, we went up there, then came back down and caught the arrival. Yep. Yeah. Which, which that was probably my favorite part of the night because you guys, you sent a, a great photo of Ryan uh, arriving at the track. He has his backpack on, he's got these boots on, he's walking in. And um, I told Steve, you know, you know, I was going to have fun with the night as we were, I was posting stuff on our accounts. And <laughs> I posted out there that Ryan just parachuted into the track. <laughs> and man, I cannot tell you the amount of people that actually thought he physically parachuted <laughs> into the track and thought that was amazing. And they're asking for video. Yeah, and uh, that pretty Mr. much Penske made you would be OK with that. <laughs> yeah, that, that made my night, quite honestly. <laughs> and um, yeah. it went on for a long time. I, I posted a, a follow up post that said, actually, you know, it was it was it was a joke. <laughs> he did look like somebody that could have parachuted in. Um, but that's pretty much what they did. You know, they, they were doing practice and qualifying at Pocono, you know, just a couple hours before they they hopped on that that Penske plane and uh, flew over to you know the Youngstown uh, 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 airport so which is only you know 20 minute drive I think from the track so and from what I understand Joey was the chauffeur and they did have a little bit of a police escort to get them over to the track in time because those two guys didn't get to participate Ryan and Chase didn't get participate in the uh, practice early on in the night no no uh, they gave them a like a special practice with just the two of them on track or they posted the top two times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of wild that they must have uh, worked the track in for them or something because they yeah. were when they come out and did their little practice session. It was the quickest two times of the mm -hmm. night. Now, what did you think? Um, what did you think of the fans that were in attendance and kind of the access that they got uh, to the drivers and to the sites at the track? Uh, I mean, it's. You're among friends. I mean, the, the biggest cheer of the night was Ryan. Yep. Then Dave or Chase somewhere in there. I mean, they both got big applauses, but I mean, it felt like how it should be all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, the pit area was interesting because the way it was set up, um, you know, we were on the inside of basically the rail, but um, you could get within 15, 20 feet of the cars. Mm -hmm. 
And if the drivers wanted to come over and do an autograph or two, they could have, and they may have, I, like I said, we may have missed that part. Um, I've seen pictures of, of, of guys who did do that. So um, yeah, that was, that was really kind of cool access wise. Um, I wore a extremely bright yellow shirt um, with our, uh, with the podcast on there and we were recognized right away. Yeah. <laughs> the one guy from, um, who was it from Michigan there? Yeah. Uh, I can't think of his Jacob. name. Jacob uh, from Michigan right away caught us. and was like, Oh, wait a minute. And, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and then he was like, Oh, I heard the podcast last week. He says, you were great. You know, not to me. <laughs> But he said it, he he drove down from Michigan. It was his first dirt track race, so he was really excited about that. Yeah, so that was really cool. Yeah, the um the line going to the SRX merchandise trailer was the longest line. It was longer than the food lines, you know. And um, I do want to say something about Sharon Speedway itself. Um, this is probably one of the larger crowds it's ever had. Yep. Okay, and. Where we were, we knew where there was a food stand down below us on the second level, down that other end, so on and so forth. Um, from what I saw personally, um, even though the lines were long, they actually did a great job moving it, just moving it, moving people, moving it. And the other thing was, like she said, so many of them amongst friends. So I'm standing there and the next thing you know, the guy behind me, we just start talking about ryan or dave you know so even though we may be in this line for you know a couple minutes um that's moving right along because we're just like i said talking with other fans and um uh that part of it was was extremely extremely cool something you don't get when you go to an ascar race and it's you know 50 or seventy thousand people and they're all different fans all over the place and when you see one you kind of point at each other you know hey you know, but at Sharon, it was 90, 95% of the people that were there for one reason, you know, and that's to see Dave or Ryan run. So it was, it, that was a really cool part of it. Yeah. I'm really glad that they, I know there's a point where they kind of cut off ticket sales and I saw some uh, stories later on about the event that kind of said, you know, like Dave and Lisa and the team at the, the track actually made a conscious decision to cut because they put, could have pit fit more people into the infield and some other standing room only spots, but they wanted to make it comfortable for the fans that were going to be there. And the crowd itself was already going to be huge in general. Um, one, I am really glad that the crowd was huge because SRX uh, throughout the season, it's kind of depended track to track. There's been a few tracks that have basically sold out all their stands. There's been a couple of tracks where um, it wasn't as big of a crowd. And I think they'll make adjustments as they go into the next, you know, the third season of this, where they do go. Uh, but I, I knew I had a feeling that the Northeast Ohio, Western Pennsylvania fans, and then also, like you said, people driving in from Michigan, um, the photos that you were sending and uh, we were posting, you could just see, you know, from the grandstands, you guys shot down from, uh, I think, Ryan practicing and then um, just shots of the, the, the backs of people's T-shirts. And it was just tons of 12, <laughs> 12 T-shirts all the way throughout the crowd. You could just see the Blaney gear everywhere. And obviously that's, those were the two hometown kind of heroes they were out there to see, but also just... Um, the caliber of drivers that were there was just insane from NASCAR champions and Indy 500 winners and um, Daytona 500 champions. Um, it was just, I mean, that's what SRX is kind of all about. So we've talked a little bit about the atmosphere in the facility and the track. Um, let's talk about the racing a little bit here. Cause that's what everybody was there to see. We were excited to see was this whole battle of the Blaney's thing, Ryan and Dave, um, 
you know, they mentioned a couple times, like, oh, yeah, we've raced together some. And Ryan and Dave, you know, on their videos, they were only talking about racing and some charity events. And I'm like, man, are they forgetting that they raced that truck race, <laughs> that truck race together? But I know they're really excited to try to race around each other. Um, and they did get to do that a little bit later on. Um, but the, the night started out with uh, a heat race. Yeah, the, the, the beginning of the heat race. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, from what I can remember, I, I, I mean, I went back and started reading some different different uh, uh, accounts, but uh, everybody seems to blame it on Paul Tracy. Yep, <laughs> as usual. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of the beginning of it. Yeah, he started the wreck and everybody else wrecked and, and, and it wrecked Ryan and he got turned basically the other direction. And then it was a head-on collision with his car. And man, it was not looking good. And the thing to mention, and they mentioned this, Alan Bestwick mentioned it on TV, and I guess uh, Hawk mentioned it in the driver's meeting. They had no backup cars. They had torn up so many cars over the season because of aggressive driving. And last week, I-55, that um, they didn't have enough. They had enough cars to go around, and that was about it. And they, you know, suggested, as they do, and even NASCAR does this from time to time, suggested that, they kind of take it easy in the heat race. So everybody uh, will have a good piece for the feature. And immediately, man, right off the bat, Ryan, wrong place, wrong time. Um, just gets destroyed in the front end, the radiator, everything. And uh, from what I understand, you know, Ryan was, you know, wasn't exactly happy. It's like, man, I just flew in here from Pocono. Everybody's here to see this in the stands and I might not get to race. What were your, what were your feelings at that moment? Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty, we were pretty scared about that part of it. Um, you could feel it in the air. Like everyone, you know, it was so hyped the battle of the Blaney's. And then all of a sudden it was like, uh Oh, like, is this not going to happen? And we were watching Twitter. We were checking to see if you knew anything yep. from TV. We didn't, I think we messed up there. We should have left the booth and we should have gone down to watch them throw everything at that car. Cause yeah. I think they did. I think they did anything they could to get that thing to move. Okay. So that happens and it's basically an hour later when they run the feature. Yep. They changed all the oil cooler line fittings. The guy, I talked to a couple of the mechanics down there after the race, there was a ratchet strap holding the radiator in place. <laughs> yeah. They, I went, the bracket was broken. Uh-huh. Old, old school things that they, that you would do to fix that thing. And they did all the old school things yeah. and got it done and got it done in a manner that that car was still they competitive. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, he raced side by side or along with some people later in, in, in the feature that, uh, didn't look like there was anything wrong with the car. So, you know, kudos to the SRX, uh, repair guys, the crew and the mechanics. Um, that was incredible. Cause you know, I'm in the, we're in the booth with a couple guys who, you know, work, uh, in the automotive industry. And, and, and we were talking about how long it would take to fix that kind of stuff. And they were like, Oh, Eh, two hours, three hours, you know, <laughs> eh, that's a mechanic in a shop trying to yep. make his, trying to make his rate and, you know, and so forth. But those guys did a bang up job and, uh, they looked really proud of it actually afterward when we were down there, you know, I started asking questions and he's like, oh yeah. And, and, uh, they were pretty excited that they got that thing up and running again. Well, can we back up a little bit? And while Ryan is down in the pits and everybody's, you know, with bated breath waiting to find out, um, heat two, heat two. Yep. Yeah. Uh, watching, Dave. watching Dave go Dave. to those corners and uh, 
giving Chase a little run for his money. That that was probably like one of the highlights for me was watching Dave kind of like school this kid for a little bit. Yeah, he he, he did. He run a nice high line, um, you know, chase up underneath at, at the bottom of the track. And mm-hmm. for a great number of laps, it was just like that back and forth. And Dave gets to run off the high side and then just right down the straightaway and takes the lead again. And yeah. it must have been 10, 10 plus laps like that. And it, that was just, it felt longer. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Yeah. yeah. And it was, really that cool. was worth the price of admission right there. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah. That was really cool to see. It was fun to watch tw- Twitter react to that because, you know, people don't get to say, see Dave too often. I know Twitter exploded last year when he won the world of outlaw race at, at Sharon Speedway. Um, but it was interesting watching the two styles. It's like Dave's running up there. He's like, I'm going to run this car. I know it's a stock car that's actually built for road racing on asphalt um, that they're using in this series. But he's like, I'm going to run it like a dirt car anyway, up at the top, mm-hmm. like I'm used to, even though I'm sure he knew it wasn't necessarily the fastest lane, but it's what he was most comfortable with where chase is like, okay, you know, I've run a little bit on dirt. I've never been in this car before. I'm going to run it low. I'm going to run it slow, and but consistent and not try to, you know, step the car out too much. And they were both making very similar lap times. They were. And eventually consistency won out. Chase ends up going on to win this heat race. There was a caution that flew uh, before that. So they did have to re-rack a little bit there. But um, the consistency on the bottom kind of won out because it's it's dangerous to run that top groove. And, you know, you know, Dave jumped the cushion a little bit and got into the wall a couple of times. And he ended up, it seems like right at the end. And part of it was tires too. Running that high line sideways used up a lot more tires yeah. than Chase running the bottom. So that one out, Dave, you know, he slid back to second, slid back a little bit more. And I think he ended up actually fifth by the end of that, at, at that heat race. So, um, but really, really fun to watch regardless. Honestly, I didn't really care. I mean, with the amount of what there's 12, 12 or so guys that were running in this race. I really wasn't worried about mm-hmm. who was going to start where, because I knew there was going to be carnage and people spinning out and people hitting the wall and everything that happened in the feature. So that's how that ha- how heat two ends. Um, some point during heat two or just right after is when the news breaks on Twitter that Kenseth who, which we didn't mention, Matt Kenseth was also in that wreck yeah. and his car yeah. was beat up pretty bad. He and Ryan were both going to make it uh, for the feature and uh, Ryan's car rolls out on the track for the, the main event and it kind of looks like an open wheel modified. And uh, I mean, I was just glad it was rolling and I was like, all right, we'll at least get yep. to see what's happening. And, you know, Dave didn't have the best average finish. Uh, so they were starting near each other at the, toward the back of the field for the main event. Yeah. I mean, the, it, but the fun part about that was um, as they started rolling, um, they raced side by side with each other for a while too. Yeah. So, you know, Ultimately, you would have loved to have seen them at both at the front together. But if you're watching and you're watching them, particularly you did did run side by side and they actually did. race each other for a while. So, yeah, yeah they rubbed yeah, some fenders, little, too. Yeah, I was going to say, they, uh, <laughs> they did a little beat and bang in there. Um, so that was really cool to see. There's a what were your I mean, we'll skip ahead. I mean, there's several incidents in this in this race. And actually, the the distance is shortened. Uh, it was supposed to go 70 laps and weren't going to count cautions. Um, I was telling Steve, you know, when we talked about the race after I'm like, man, I knew there was no way <laughs> there's no way they were going to make 70 laps mm-hmm. just based on knowing how these cars were going to run on dirt, that it's always a little bit chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gets cut short to what I think 50, um, Ryan kind of Ryan and Dave, there's a point when Dave actually made, made his way from the back all the way up into the top five and was running around there. Uh, but I think he hit the wall at some point and fell back and then, little bit further on in the race he really hit the wall and pulled off the track um 
Ryan did the same. He made it up a couple of times. He got caught three wide and he kind of had to bail and he fell back again. Um, but talk about the one, I think it was the one restart toward the end of this race where Ryan makes a huge move on the outside, goes all the way up into the fourth position yeah. um, and the caution comes out. Yeah. And then they take extra laps to figure out who's lined up where. And I, I couldn't figure it out. I thought for sure he was going to be in the top four or five for the yeah. restart. And so did he, he yeah. raced around up well, there the whole time. Um, the, you know, they have the top five up on the scoreboard yep. and he's, he's listed as fifth and he just, they just keep shuffling him to the back and we could not figure out what, what was going on. Yeah. And I don't know. An awesome move. An awesome move. He made yeah. to get up there. And I was like, yeah. he's going to have a shot now starting, yeah. you know, second row. So man. So that was unfortunate. I think Josh, <laughs> What I really thought was funny was uh, if you followed Josh Williams, Ryan Spotter on Twitter, I don't think he actually knew what happened. Uh, he posts because he's still back in Pocono because they didn't need spotters for SRX. They actually don't no. run spotters at all. So Josh didn't make the trip. I'm sure he would have if, uh, if they needed him. But it was really the, just the timing as he posts this photo of ice cream. He's eating like this giant banana split or something at, at Pocono, right? Like right when Ryan crashes out of the uh, the heat race. And I'm like, man, I don't think he actually knew what happened. And then he's <laughs> then I think he realizes it a little bit later on. Then he starts watching the race. And uh, about that move of Ryan getting shuffled, he called He said he was bamboozled. <laughs> He was yeah. on the lineup. <laughs> I thought that was that was pretty yeah. funny. Which actually, like, which actually comes into play on Sunday too. Nah. They, talk, they, <laughs> they talk they talk about that on the on the scanner on Sunday. A, a yeah. couple of things that always seem to happen to him on uh, cautions and lineups. So Ryan ends up getting shuffled back there. Um, he does move up a little bit by the end of this race. Uh, like I mentioned, Dave does get into the wall. He I think he causes a caution a little bit later on. I think he pulls off the track. So Dave finishes around twelfth. Uh, Ryan actually gets up to a decent position about halfway ends up in the seventh position by the, the time this thing is done uh, posted it on our social media channels, the b before and after pics of the, of the car, you know, from when it was nice, shiny and new. And then from when everything was cut off and mm -hmm. um, I can't remember if that was actually from the end of the race or if it was um, it was from before, right before the feature started, but um, really, really fun stuff. Um, there's a nice battle between, you know, Tony Stewart struggled most of that race and then yeah. slowly started picking up positions all the way to where he battled with Chase Elliott till the end. Um, Chase wins the race, um, because you know, Chase is the new Jimmy Johnson with that uh lucky horseshoe, yeah. <laughs> I guess, across <laughs> everything that he races right now. So Chase wins at Sharon Speedway, Ryan finishes seventh. Uh, Marco Andretti breaks his wrist yeah. uh, in a crash, which the crash itself, you know, wasn't that's a whole nother deal um, <laughs> because he's fighting for the championship with Ryan Newman breaks his wrist, finishes out the race and uh, comes home with the SRX championship because this was the finale race for the series. Um, and just amazing that they chose Sharon Speedway to host that championship race. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, Hawk talked on the, on the podcast uh, last week when we had him on about, he's got 14 other tracks that want to want to race next year, 14 that, that he's, you know, really excited about. Um, I know that moving around every year is a good idea. It really is to kind of spread the wealth and get things to different places. But I really hope that like, if they do that, that Sharon Speedway is in the rotation, maybe not next year, maybe the year after, or maybe they do every third year or something like that. That'd be great. As long as this thing keeps thriving and, and, and getting bigger and better, um, getting some different names every year and so on and so forth. Uh, I could see Sharon Speedway hosting again at some point. And, uh, you know, 
Ryan and Dave running together is super. Um, Dave, Dave could run against uh, his, his brother too. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, we did. We saw Dale there down the pit area. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he would uh, do pretty well in one of these cars too, you know? So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, hoping, hopefully they'll, they'll come back to Sharon Speedway. I think Sharon Speedway did everybody proud. Um, the fans definitely showed up to show that it was worth it. And, uh, I, it was so great to see him featured on TV it really was. Yeah. Yeah. The facility, I mean, with the drone shots that SRX does, the facility looked amazing mm-hmm. on television. And I know that, you know, they probably had everybody out, um, maybe like Roger Penske does at IMS had everybody out making sure everything was squared away clean. I know Dave and Lisa in, in the media talked a lot about how they wanted to make sure it was a good fan experience. Um, there's only so much in their, their hands that they could control. Uh, but you know, they try to, you know, have it entertainment and, and, you know, merchandise. And like, you're talking about the food lines moving, um, just to try to give everybody a good experience. And this is, you know, one of the biggest crowds they've ever had. I know they've had some big crowds for world about all races in the past, and that's probably the closest that they would get to something like this, mm-hmm. but the national attention that was on the track itself um, was what I was looking forward to probably the most, whether they come back again, I don't know. It's, it's going to be tough. There's it, unless they expand the schedule, there's only six races in the SRX season. Mm-hmm. So it's tough to get everybody in there. If they don't come back to Sharon Speedway specifically, that's okay. It had its moment in the spotlight. I just wish, you know, Dave or Ryan could get the call to, and it's up to them too, if they want to do it, could get the call to, to participate. Yeah. Um, even at, you know, some of the asphalt yeah. tracks, I'd like to see Ryan run some of those short tracks because yeah. he doesn't get to do that that much. And I don't know if that's just, you know, a contractual thing um, or just, you know, a time thing. Um, we don't really get to see Ryan race outside of the cup series. I mean, it was nice. We used to get to see him run a truck race here and there or an Xfinity race here and there. And that doesn't really even happen anymore. Um, so I feel like, and a lot of other drivers are kind of participating outside of uh, just their cup obligation. So um, if they don't come back to Sharon, that's okay. But if they could put Ryan in a seat uh, at one of those other short tracks next year, I think that'd be awesome. I'd be okay with Dave running for the series championship. Yep. If you know, they could talk him into doing it, you know, for five or six weeks in a row, because he, he would do, he would contend, you know, um, he definitely would know how to handle all the different surfaces, all the different places. So you'd have a little bit of an advantage when they do go to a dirt track and uh, definitely could see him running the fairgrounds and all those different places, you know, uh, no offense to Paul Tracy, you know, or, but, uh, <laughs> <Years> ago. <laughs> I had plenty of folks that were posting on all of our, all of our uh, stuff from the night saying, you know, it's time for Paul Tracy to hang it up. And I know, I mean, it's SRX is kind of an entertainment series and I think they mm-hmm. play into that. They wanted mm-hmm. somebody yeah. to be the villain. They want somebody to be the hero. Um, yeah. but yeah, he was actually, he was one of the nicest guys we saw down there. Yeah, you know, he, was. he was talking to everybody and everything. He's not, you know, I think you're right. I think he's he just, playing uh, his role, but I don't, right. I think they don't also don't necessarily appreciate the equipment getting torn up though. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> yeah, he's a little, little rough on the equipment, but, um, yeah. So overall, I mean, uh, the, the experience was super, um, the, we went down to the pits after the race. Um, we tried to stay out of the way. I mean, we were, you know, we were there on, on, a, on a credential type of thing. Um, we got a couple pictures and, and, and actually the camera, her, your phone works pretty good in the dark. Got some yeah. nice, nice pictures in the dark. It doesn't yeah. look like it's dark. Um, Jeff Gluck was there. Um, so people want to uh, check out the athletic. The story I think came out Tuesday, actually today when we're taping. Yep. So that's, that's kind of cool. It's a, it's a story on, on Ryan and the family foundation. Um, the shirts, 
Okay. So yes, they were sold out when, by the time we got there, the shirts were sold out that the, the Sharon Speedway battle of the Blaney shirts, um, keep an eye out on, uh, uh, the Ryan Blaney family foundation page. And also we will tweet it and retweet it yep. and post it when it comes back out, but they went, put them online, sold them out online already. Yep. They're, they plan to restock again. <laughs> so they're going to restock again. I don't know. I don't know how many they make at a time. I'm sure they got to get the presses all set up to do a bunch more. Um, keep an eye out for them. Uh, they're really cool. Um, I'd stand up for one sec. So those those are going to be watching the podcast on uh, on a, and then can you do a spin or not? No. <laughs> <laughs> I know you got head headphones, got headphones on. Else. Yeah, yeah, I got oh, I got that I got battle perfect. the blinies on back. There we um, go. My favorite part. I mean, obviously the cars on the back are awesome, but the they they've gone through and I don't I don't know if they made up that Sharon logo or not, but they've at least made it look kind of an old timey, yeah. uh, kind of Speedway logo fitting <laughs> that like flag and anthem and Ryan Blaney vintage type theme. So. Um, I think that's a big selling point too, just in general. So yeah, watch for those shirts to come out um, wildly popular and they yeah. support uh, the Ryan Blaney family foundation in their efforts to support the Alzheimer's association as well. So that's, that was also really cool to see. So, yeah. Um, so Kate, thank you for coming on to the podcast. Uh, one Wait for coming on today. You guys forgot the other Blaney that had to do with the race. You can't oh. give a shout out to the matriarch of the Blaney family. Oh, oh that's yeah. right. That's right. During the pre-race. Hello, Kate Blaney's the one that told them to start the engines. That was I awesome. That, I thought that was great. I, yeah. That was a total surprise to me <laughs> uh, when they put her up on the screen. Um, that was really awesome to see. We and all I, started well, cheering. Yeah. 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 So yep. that's yep. that. Shout that was out to part. Kate Blaney. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, and everything that they did, but um but if, if you guys don't have anything else uh, i know we have some other things to to recap on but like I, I was pretty much saying you know thanks to kate because uh kate mez that is um <laughs> because one you, you've you've hopped on you know i'm the one that, that for some reason likes to to travel and and leave my obligations from the podcast but i know i always leave it in good hands with the two of you because you guys uh do a lot of work behind the scenes and in front of the scenes you know when when i'm not here uh, so thanks for coming on last week and re recapping the New Hampshire race. And thanks for uh, being one of the, the roaming reporters that we had last week uh, during the SRX race at Sharon Speedway. What's well, the most fun work I've ever had. So thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, I look for more pictures and content um, as close as we can get to whatever this weekend at Indianapolis also, because team as will be at the Indy race. Yes. Yes, we will. All right, Steve, now we take the time to recap that SRX season finale championship race, Battle of the Blaney's at Sharon Speedway. Let's jump right back into our recap of the M&M's Fan Appreciation 400 at one of your favorite tracks, Pocono Raceway. Pocono, one of, that's the favorite. <laughs> the Team Mez experience doesn't happen without Pocono. And uh, the fine people of Pocono uh, put on a big, big uh, weekend race this weekend. Um, I heard it was... Uh, sell out or near sell out sell all the campgrounds again um campgrounds so, uh, suites were sold out i think the grandstand looked like it was just about maybe on the edges there's a couple of seats here and there um i know you're sad you know pocono they tried the double header uh happened during you know the height of the pandemic so no fans could go you guys talked about that last week um they did the double header last year it was really successful successful i know they at that point said they'd had the most campgrounds uh, the most campers and everything in a long time there. 
Um, the crowd, I wouldn't say necessarily was a sellout, but it was huge. So, but they yeah. take that date away and they they give the one date only for Pocono. And yeah. the crowd showed up, the campers showed up again. Um, it's tough for me. I mean, I don't live up near there anymore, so it's like I'm not my heart's not tied to that track. Um, I would hate it if one of the, my local tracks around me lost a date of the two dates because I just want to go to as many races as I can get to. But you can't really argue with the results as far mm-hmm. as the, the attendance and uh, the quality of the experience for the fans. Yeah. I mean, it works out for the best. Uh, it really does say it kind of puts more focus on one weekend and when, and one event. So, um, they did practice Saturday, um, group a, uh, he was in group a and, uh, NBC's coverage is not only, I think better, but Kim Kuhn added to the broadcast. And, um, I don't know if a lot of people know or remember, you know, Kim used to do the podcast with Ryan and, and, and Chuck Bush, the glass case of emotion. So she's got a little bit of an in there and you'll hear more reporting on Ryan, uh, maybe just based on the fact that she's able to go over and, and talk to him or talk to his people, um, a lot easier than maybe some other drivers. So right away, um, after three laps, they came back in. And she reported that this was actually part of the game plan for the, for the, for the practice. They knew that if it was way off, they were going to come in and throw the kitchen sink at it and, uh, and make some changes. Um, and it was part of their plan for the day. So, um, I made this note right off the bat that once they went back out, they made a jump of about six tenths of a second. Okay. Now you say, okay, well, you know, it didn't put them up the board very high. Well, no, it didn't, but it was on the same tires. They never yep. swapped out tires. So they ran tires that were already had a couple laps on them. And they were, and that lap time jumped up six cents for them. It didn't go way up the board because a lot of other guys end up going out later on and running like a qualifying lap on a fresh set of tires. So it didn't look on the board, like it was great, but on the other hand, it was actually a pretty good jump. And, um, you know, would shake out later on that it would be, uh, ends up being 28th quick in the combined practice times. But like I said, once again, I think that it was better than everybody thought it was because of, of, of that little f- factor there that they were on old tires and still made that kind of a jump. Yeah. And I think people maybe were a little bit concerned. The speeds ca- hasn't really been there the last couple of weeks, last week in New Hampshire, obviously with the finish that they had. Um, I could see where, and I was too, you know, I'm watching the beginning of this practice session and comes out and he is like dead last basically. (laughs) And I was like, oh man, this is not a good omen. But like you said, they immediately recognized it. I know three laps aren't quick at Pocono. It's a big track, Uh, but they get in there, fix it, make the gains that they can. And they jump into uh, the qualifying session. Qualifying. So yeah, um, they were in, you know, group A for the qualifying and, um, uh, watching his lap was kind of interesting because he goes through turn one and they've got the tracker set up versus whoever fifth was and it was in the red and yes then, and i was like oh no oh, immediately no. so again i'm already but, down and then but but you got to remember what they say about pocono with the three turns you're not going to get all three correct yep but you got to get at least two of the three and sure enough he gained time going through the tunnel, tunnel. turn 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 and then he got to three and gained even more time and it was like bang you know, come across the line at that point. I think at that point was he the quickest or second? If he wasn't, he might've been second, but it was like, and at that point in the qualifying session, I'm like, he really only needs one more guy 
yeah. uh, to be slower than him. And he's basically going to be locked into the top 10. And sure enough, that's what ends up happening. Ends up fifth overall in, in his group. So he makes it to the, to the final uh, 10 um, goes out first in, in, in that uh, final 10, but hangs on for sixth sixth best overall. Um, you know, with heat cycling, the tires, cooling the engine off and going back out, that's, that's a pretty good move. Um, so six to start on Sunday stages of 30, 95, 160, uh, to the rear was the one, the 24, the 43, the 41, the 31 and the 45 who crashed, um, during his qualifying run and ended up not being able to race, um, due to the concussion protocols. So, um, the, the the gibbs boy makes his debut <laughs> yeah which did the weekend itself was just so crazy with this this more news about uh kyle bush and uh joe gibbs you know the sponsors they were talking to uh kind of backed away i mean mm-hmm. after sunday we kind of find out from an nbc report that oracle which was a huge it's a huge technology and computer company um that was that rumored tech company that was going to sponsor him um, they're saying that that's the one that backed away that, you know, kind of really is uh, thrown this negotiation between Bush and uh, Gibbs for a loop. And the fact that Ty Gibbs, who is the one waiting in the wings to either jump in the 18 if necessary, or jump mm-hmm. in the 19 after next season um, gets a start here uh, with no time, no time in a, in a next gen car at all. Mm-mm. And uh, you know, he, he hangs in the back most of the day and then, makes his way up through there later on. So he does a pretty good job, really. Um, at the beginning of the race, the scanner was malfunctioning. <laughs> there was a little panic uh, at my house. A lot of uh, people. I was on yeah. Twitter, yeah, and the, the, across the board, it sounded like no one was getting anything except for possibly the broadcast. Yeah. Um, so lots of people that that rely on that like you do for their enjoyment or for uh, their side job. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, we're a little bit worried. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the outside lane or the top lane is the better lane on the restarts that the leaders always take that lane. Um, so starting sixth and up to fourth, basically in the first lap, uh, by lap three, the 11 passes him. So he's back to fifth. Um, and now it starts to settle out a little bit. Um, by lap five, it's in fifth, but it's about six seconds back and the 18 is leading at this point. Um, then at lap six, we get a caution for the two car. Um, so they're staying out this caution. Um, there is two spotters for, for Ryan. We find out once the spotter, uh, once the, uh, communication comes up, um, where they position the spotters in the regular grandstands, they cannot see all the way down into turn one. So they will position somebody down in turn one and actually spot from there. And I, it's probably mule. I didn't actually find out, but usually mules, the, the secondary spotter. Um, so you'll, you know, listen and you'll hear two voices this weekend coming up will be like three or four different voices uh with indy but um so he's p5 for the cone leader 18 takes the top ryan takes the top and they restart at lap 12 18 has trouble on this restart and uh well, he almost collects the field um ryan works, works his way around him up to fourth um lap 16 ryan says there's still no grip uh, the five cars leading at this point and um he says he's, you know, lap 21 is barely hanging on, you know, uh, the spinning, the spinning out type of thing is a lot of people were having that issue, but, uh, uh, turn three was, was causing some issues. And That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. It, was, it was worried for me because they had issues in practice. I mean, mm-hmm. where you talked about Kurt Busch having an issue. Um, that's where everyone was spinning. They would just lose it coming out of three. Um, some people could save it. Uh, some people went right into the wall. And then immediately, like you said, you mentioned a little bit before, you know, the two car causes that first caution and, you know, slams the wall and uh, I think breaks a toe link. And there's a whole ordeal there for them. And um, hearing Ryan on the radio saying that three, he's loose in three, mm-hmm. it's a little bit scary. Yeah. Um, and lap 25, he's, <laughs> I hear those words, top of three, uh, the 18 and the 99. So Ryan ends up back in six at this point, trying to stay away from, you know, having an issue with those guys. Um, he's just, like he says, he's just trying not to wreck here is what he tells them. Um, at lap 27, lots of cars start to pit. Um, and we get a caution for the 10 car. Uh, Ryan is a sixth place at this point. Um, and, you know, Jonathan and Ryan discuss how to get it tightened up. Um, at lap 30, the five wins the stage. Ryan is sixth in, um, in the stage. And I have here now the field will flip after pitting. Um, interesting, you know, people will bring up this data about how there were so many great passes during green flag runs at Pocono. And the reality is, is there, there weren't. <laughs> Once they got spread out, they got spread out. But what happens is, so many different strategies on, on when to pit, because you can pit if you're within 17 to 18 seconds of the leader, you can pit and not lose the lead lap. And you'll see uh, during green flag runs where some of these strategies go ahead and happen so that um, they're trying to basically flip the field, be in a fuel window before somebody else is in a fuel window, hope for a caution at a certain point in time. So um, there weren't, you know, they say there were a lot of passes for under green, but some of those passes happened on while pit road was open. Um, what are your so, thoughts here? Um, I mean, people are going to question strategy, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's Ryan fans or fans of anybody else that stayed out here uh, for the end of the stage. Um, we're in this, they're not, we, well, the 12 team is in this position right now where, you know, they're, they're third in points, but the window, as Ryan said, the window's closing. Uh, there's only a couple of spots left here to get into the playoff. They, they're in this tough, and we talked about it before, they're in this really tough position. It's like, do they go for points and keep trying to pad the points? Or is there a point when they need to turn the switch and they need to focus on winning? And a lot of people really early on thought the winning strategy would be to short, you know, pit before the, the stage breaks come out. Uh, just to try to keep up with the track position. Did you have any initial feelings on on the strategy they were going with here? You know, it's interesting. Uh, if the f- race is green the whole race, that's how this strat- that strategy works. But what ends up happening is these cautions end up happening, and so many of them happen within the third stage that it equals out after a yep. while. And then the tire wear is the big thing at that point. If they make it so the tires fall apart more, um, then you're going to see, uh, a lot of different strategies. Cause you know, if people come get tires and it's worth coming, get the tires, but what was happening is for the most part, the tires didn't wear that badly. So it was more about a fuel window for everybody. You know, who was in the fuel window? Did I get in the fuel window? You know, am I going to be a lap or two short? Um, and we had, you know, a couple of guys at the end of the race where the caution fell and they were able to make it. So Yeah. Ultimately, you start off with that strategy thinking if the race goes green from this point forward, yes, we're on the right strategy. But what ends up happening is the strategies all come back together when you get two or three cautions um, in the last stage. So um, 
track position still track position but yeah it didn't it didn't it didn't work out i mean yeah, sure. just wondering. Al- al- yeah i mean ultimately it's it's the idea is a good idea if if it all stays green, but I can already tell sometimes these, these crew chiefs can already tell by the way the race is going, how many guys are loose already that they know there's going to be more cautions to follow, you know, that not 40, some guys cannot hang on all day long, you know, coming out of three or wherever, you know? Um, so we get, um, uh, everything flips around and they only lost one spot on pit road during this pit sequence. But like I said, once again, the cars who had already pitted come out there in front. Um, and he's 17th for the restart. Um, the 21 is the leader. <laughs> and, uh, he takes the top, Ryan takes the top, the restart lap 35, um, turns one and two are just crazy on these restarts. Um, top of four, <laughs> I heard that a couple of times, not fun. Um, at lap 36, we have a caution for the 77. Ryan's in 18th, and the 20 is leading at this point. Uh, they're staying out. Uh, Choose cone leaders, the 20 takes top. Ryan takes the top. Uh, the restart, lap 39. Top of three in turns one and two, but up to 14th. So he makes a move around a couple of the guys who had to check up down below. We get a caution for the 11 car spinning out in two. They're staying out at this point. Um, Choose the leader is the 20 takes to the top. Ryan takes the top restart lap 44. Um, in turn one, I hear middle of three. I don't like middle three at all. You know, top of or bottom of, you can kind of do something with, but middle's no fun. Um, caution for the seven car behind him spinning in one. Um, and uh, this is the one I said something earlier about um, they position. Um, they get seem to get. I don't know to use the word screwed. They seem to get screwed a lot when a caution comes out and the scoring loops and that type of thing happens. And then they always position them behind guys and Josh and Ryan are talking about it. And then they're excited because they actually got the call right and put them in 13th in front of a couple guys that they were actually in front of. So um, they gained a spot or two the way they were supposed to. And, and <laughs> for once they, they, they didn't get screwed. Yeah. It gets, it gets a little <laughs> hairy there when, um yeah when the cars are between scoring loops and they're trying to figure them some things out but it's nice when it goes your way every once in a while yeah um they're staying out uh ryan uh comments on the two car he's gotten three laps back so far (laughs) on all these cautions he was the only car any laps down and he kept getting laps back so good good for the two car uh he was only three back at that point um the the 20 takes the top on the choose ryan takes the bottom uh, restart uh, 18 takes the lead on this restart ryan gets up to 12th at lap 48 um at lap 49 he passes 17 he gets to 11th at lap 50 he passes the 21 he gets to 10th um at lap 52 in 10th position he's the top forward um at lap 53 um he says it's way too tight now so they swung the other direction hard on on the pit stop and they tighten it up now it's too tight uh, lap 54, the 23 pits, he's up to ninth. And here we go. We're doing some green flag pitting, um, by lap 61, he's up to fifth with some of these other cars pitting. Um, and Josh asks Jonathan on channel two, how much longer are we running, uh, till they pit. And I believe what he, what he was told was more or less till the, to the fuel runs out, you know, they're going to go to the end of a fuel run here. Um, Ryan's up to fourth uh, as the one car pits. 
uh, by lap 66, a couple more cars pit. He's up to second. And then uh, 19 is leading at that point. And at lap uh, 67, the 19 pits and Ryan takes the lead at Pocono. Um, and we're talking, we talked cool about site. strategy a little bit. So this one's even kind of different. Um, just staying out, going along, I guess, you know, hoping for a caution to come out, something that would, that could fall their way and uh, gets to lead, lead some laps here. Yeah. So it leads a couple laps, but once again, how these, you know, he's out there a long time on the tires. Long time. Yeah. And um, the 43 and the 11 are starting to come and they, you know, they're, he, he's told by Josh, they have quicker, quicker cars, fresher tires. Uh, lap 73, Ryan does ask, you know, what are we waiting for? And Jonathan tells him about five more before he pit. So he was, he was definitely trying to get to a fuel window so that they would only have to pit one more time after this, the rest of the race. And that's key. That was what the thought was. Once again, this is one of the strategies that works out super if it stays green the rest of the race too, you know, because it'll force people to pit uh, under green and, and, and so forth. Um, so lap 74, the 11 pass, he's up to third. Um, 79, Jonathan says, we're getting close. Watch for your fuel switch. Uh, lap 81, they go ahead and pit because uh, it started to sputter. Um, he was in third at that point. They're waiting on fuel. So this is, you know, something I think they actually literally showed this pit stuff on TV. Um, you know, the guys, you know, come around. They got the, the tires on the right side. They come around the left side. They got the tires down the, on, on the left side and the car still sits there. And I know it drives people crazy, Yep, <laughs> you know, but this is what you're supposed to do. It, it's tough because everyone wants to jump. Okay. The tires are done. Let's go. But the fuel, getting the fuel in that thing now will save them from having to put as much fuel in it later. And, and that's, that may be a key later on. So, um, you know, Jonathan, uh, he's in 25th and Jonathan says to take care of them till the end of the stage. Uh, we get a caution for the 42 right in front of Ryan. <laughs> very, very scary. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that one made everything kind of pucker up there a little bit. Um, lap 83, um, Ryan asked kind of like for a strategy update there. And, um, Jonathan tells him most everyone's probably going to pit, uh, at this point or, you know, before the stage break, but they're going to stay out. So at the stage break, um, the, the 23 was going to be leading Ryan was up to second. Um, and it's like I said, at this point, everybody only needs one pit stop. So, you know, you know, it was, it was pretty good. Um, yeah. Things kind of equaled out strategy wise because of this, but it, the decision to stay long, at least gave him the track position and yeah. a shot to go for the lead. Yeah. So the 23 takes the top here. Um, you know, cause he's leading at this point, Ryan's a second and, uh, restart lap base seven, Ryan gets a little loose. He gets down to into third, um, turn three passes the 23 though, gets to second at lap 88. Um, the one passes him, he gets to third and lap 95, the 18 wins stage two, Ryan is uh, third and gets stage points again. Now I, I said sixth earlier and third now, and uh, these things end up being adjusted uh, later on for reasons as, as, as we find <laughs> out. Um, so they're, they're staying out. And once again, one stop till the end is the strategy here. Uh, choose cone, the 18 takes top, Ryan takes the top, uh, restart lap 100. Um, the 11 gets inside of Ryan. Ryan ends up back to sixth here. Um, and at lap 101, he passes the 43 car and gets to fifth. Now, to this point, 
this day is going beautiful. Um, chance to win, yes. You know, the strategy, if it stays green, is is definitely there. Um, and the car is starting to come in. And he's definitely getting it adjusted to where he can do some stuff with it. And he's racing hard, too. You mentioned the 43 there. Yeah. 43 was not excited uh, no, with how kinda... Ryan had been racing him. And it's because, I mean, they're racing toward the end of that previous stage. And yeah. then they raced hard again you know, at the start of the third stage. So, yeah. um, he, you followed his scanner traffic. He didn't say some very nice things about the 12, but that's okay. I mean, it's, it was what I was saying. I mean, it's a race. You're supposed yeah. to, you're supposed to race the guys. And unfortunately yeah. though, I mean, we're going to talk about some, some things that happened here, but, yeah. um, this was a very, I think, physical restart here with mm -hmm. the 43, with the 11 and it got a little yeah. bit chaotic and I don't know if it's going to lead to what happens or not, but, um, it yeah, could have been a factor, but maybe not. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they, they rubbed it up against there or not. Usually these these composite bodies, they don't cause the tires to. Yeah. But at lap 107, Ryan gets a flat. And it kind of happens. The flat tire happens or on the other, yeah, <laughs> on the other side of the track. So you got to get all the way around the track. He does a great job nursing it around. But now all of a sudden, you know, he's lost, you know, his lap 32, uh, 32nd position you know and um yeah no caution no caution um, nothing it's one of those it. things where it's like you know you it's tough with these new cars it's like man if only it could have caused him to spin or something but yeah. the danger there is if you spin and he already had one tire go down if he spins and another goes down it pops and he's stranded one. back there yeah. because it's yeah. really hard so but yeah you're right he does a really good job of nursing it around but man it, it costs him a ton of position on the track and uh just kind of derails the day from from yeah. here on out after they're having such a solid run you know top five you know top well ends up being top five but um you know pretty decent finishes in both stages here and the strategy seems like it was going to work out pretty well maybe not for a win uh but from a but for a really really solid day yeah so lap 110 is the first car lap down by lap 120 uh like i said 32nd um lap 124 the uh the one passes the 18 on a pit cycle here. So, you know, lap 125, the 17 spins, no caution, which yep. was kind of interesting. That happened right in front of the uh, grandstands there. And so weird. He, I mean, I know they, they, they didn't want to, and there was a, the one thing to mention here is there was a threat of rain. So I kind of feel like that's a part of the reason why the tower held the caution flag because guys spinning out of three was a caution every single time during this race, except mm -hmm. for this time. Yeah. Now, mind you, now Ryan was going to, they're going to try to run long now. Um, they're about 10 laps short on fuel, you know, but, you know, they filled up when they, when they fixed the tire. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but at lap 126, um, he's in 31st, but he's back on the lead lap 50 seconds back. And this is because some of the cars have now pitted, not because he, you know, ran it, ran down and got his lap back. Um, but uh, lap 131, the one is leader, and, and, and he passes Ryan, puts Ryan a lap down again in 30th. Um, and then lap 137 is when Ryan takes this hard, hard hit. Um, coming out of three snaps, um, hits that front stretch wall. Uh, NBC does a great job. Not only, okay, they show you, they show you what happened, but then they show you this video montage of cars that 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 wall did not used to extend that far and where ryan hit didn't did not used to be there yeah it's it's very very possible if it was the older 
configuration of the track, he would have went right down pit road and hit who knows what down there, you know? Um, so, I mean, very thankful that he got out of the car, um, on the radio, you know, Josh, you know, spin in, lock it down, lock it down. Um, and then he says, you okay, bud. And Ryan right away says, yeah, I'm okay. And, um, then the next direction Josh gives him more or less is about, um, you know, the safety workers, put the window net down, that type of thing. Um, so very glad he got out of the car pretty quickly, looked out. Okay. Get out of the car has since, you know, messaged people on Facebook and Twitter, letting them know that he's all right. Um, but just a hard, hard hit, hard hit. He said, you know, I mean, they're behind, they were lapped down. He was hanging in there. He was, I think still hanging in as the first car lapped down. So probably hoping there was a caution that was going to come out. Not for him though. Um, he said he's pushing as hard as he could and stepped over the line and ah, man, it ended up in a, in, in a crash there. I know he was doing everything he could to try to rally. Um, I mentioned that in the discord, you know, it's like, that's kind of what this team's about. They, they'll, they'll find some adversity mm-hmm. and I didn't think it was going to be possible to rally after that tire and all the, all the position that they lost. And, uh, but they did find themselves in position to potentially capitalize if, if somebody else did make a mistake and, um, they're so close to, yeah, like I said, one more car spins before he does or something to get in that lap back yeah. and being right back in contention. And unfortunately it doesn't always go that way. It's more unfortunate that it happens at such a critical time. And I know uh, you're going to get into the, the point standings a little bit here too, and we can transition into that. But um, I mentioned it earlier, the window's closing, luckily, mm-hmm. um, which we, I mean, we can mention, you know, the, I don't think you have much more to recap after this, but the, the yeah. 11, the 11 team goes on to, there's some, you know, some restarts, the yeah, 11, the 11, and the, the, 18 and, the 11 and the one car have an issue. That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so lap, lap 142's restart the 11 and uh, help the one car into the wall, kind of, sort of, whatever the yeah. four take the four takes damage here, which is, I hate to say good for Ryan, but it is. Yeah. It's, can't have another winner winner. Yeah. A new winner. Um, um, they restart uh, lap 147 with the 11 leading, and the and the 11 does uh, end up winning. Um, you know, Ryan finishes 35, 35th at this point, but he gains two positions later on in the evening. And this was kind of a shocker. You know, uh, some of the media was already on the way out of the track, um, and then you know, following Twitter, and then all of a sudden, boom, um, the NASCAR comes out, has a little press conference. Um, really held the lead here for a while explaining what was going on, but the 11 and 18 get disqualified. And we've seen this a lot. We saw that this, this year in the truck series with Zane Smith, we've seen it in the past with uh, Kyle and Denny themselves, both in the Xfinity series, Um, multiple other Xfinity and and truck guys have lost wins uh, since I think 2019, when this uh, rule was established that basically they're going to do a big teardown at the track. Uh, and you could lose a win because a cup series driver had not lost a win or been disqualified from a win since 1960. It's happened throughout the field, but never to the winner and never to first and second. <laughs> so no. not only was the 11 uh, disqualified, the 18 was disqualified. So you mentioned that affects stage finishes. So Ryan moves up uh, in some of those stage finishes. He moves up in the overall finish. Um and it comes out that they've, 
I, so we have, I don't know. There's so much to discuss on this topic, and I don't know how how much we can want to get into it. But basically, they put on this clear plastic. They call it like helicopter tape. They put it on the front fascia of the car. The fascia is also kind of knows, known as the nose of the car um, to get an aerodynamic advantage. Um, anywhere where they can kind of seal up some some cracks or 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 smooth over an area where maybe you know air was gonna get gonna get trapped and could you know go move up over the front end of the car um i heard a lot of people saying you know why didn't they catch this these cars were illegal and and pre-racing inspection while this tape was underneath the wrap and nascar and pre-racing inspection isn't going to start ripping people's wraps off uh to check and see what's going on underneath so and the tape was small enough to where the oss system wasn't going to catch it on a scan they were they were within their tolerances um one thing to point out and i've heard this a lot from some other media folks they wouldn't do this. People are saying, oh, it's just a piece of tape. What's the big deal? Why are they getting disqualified? This is dumb. They wouldn't be doing it if there wasn't an advantage to gain. And with this next-gen car, there is so little that these teams can do that they're trying to find the smallest possible thing that could give them, you know, a hundredth of a second, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a little bit more horsepower or, or something like that. They're grasping at straws. And this is I don't know that these two teams needed to be in desperation mode, but this is kind of a desperate time of the season. And we're going to see that even later on with some more penalties that were announced. Um, there were penalties before the race, the 42 and 43, uh, a, a similar kind of penalty. They had a material that was uh, unapproved uh, on the rocker panel or rocker box area, and they lost their crew chiefs were rejected. They lost points. Um, so in this case, the 11 and 18 are disqualified. And that's pretty much it. They just move them to the, to the back. The 18 actually, I think finishes ahead of the, the, the 11 for, I don't remember what it, or they, they move to the back of the field. Um, so I think they get, they get a finishing spot. So it's not a complete yeah. DQ. Um, the funny part is, you know, there's this incident with the 11 and the one and the one actually ends up finishing in front of the 11 in the order. So it, it moves things up. Um now to kind of bring it all into context i mentioned another penalty and this actually dropped a couple hours before we recorded this podcast uh, on tuesday and the fords have struggled with speed for a while now one ford that's been um not like top five speed or anything but michael mcdowell is having a career year and he had just yeah. clicked off i think his eighth top 10 of the season here at pocono he finished he finished highest eight, ford eighth he was the highest ford it actually moves up to six with those dqs on sunday yeah and then he ends up being uh one of the cars taken back to the r&d center and he and that team is hit with the same penalty that rfk racing got um, from what i understand they used a filler substance in between the body panels again i talked about with the front fascia and stuff these teams are trying to seal off areas uh for aerodynamic advantage here so they use some filler in the body panels 100 point penalty to driver and owner points hundred thousand dollar fine if they were to win a race a 10 playoff point uh penalty as well so this is where it gets really weird nascar did everything by the book here from pre-race inspection to post-race inspection to taking cars back and inspecting them in the R&D center. Um, they're not, you are not allowed to modify parts um, where it gets. And again, they did everything by the book. So you could be angry at the rule book. I don't know that you can necessarily be angry at NASCAR. It's just such a weird situation that I consider what the 11 and 18 did was modifying a single use part or a single, you know, supplier part. Um, obviously what the 34 did was modifying parts. 
Um, what RFK did with the bumper at, at Atlanta was modifying a part. So the 34 and the six are hit, you know, and it's not the death penalty, but they're hit with a huge points penalty, huge fine. Crew chiefs are suspended for four races. The only penalties that the the 11 and 18 get, and again, they take a win away from the 11. That might not mean that much to him this season because he's already picked up a couple of wins. He has a decent point standing. So losing the points from the day isn't going to be that big of a deal. Career-wise, though, he actually was going to hit a milestone. I think he was going to pass. He's going to be the, the winningest driver at Pocono. I think maybe he's passing Tony Stewart or somebody else in the all-time wins list. So it did mean something. But, man, I just don't know how they're not like off scot free. They lost, they were disqualified. That's a big deal. But how are they not? How do they not suffer the consequences that somebody that is caught at the R and D center gets? I don't know what your thoughts are on it. Again, they, I've reiterated, they've done everything by the book. This is just how the book is written. You can disagree with the book. I kind of disagree with the book because I feel like, man, they should be facing a bigger points fine or at least an equivalent points fine. And they should, their crew chiefs shouldn't be the crew chiefs are the one making the crew chiefs and engineers are, but the crew chief is in charge making these decisions. Gabe Hart, you know, had to know that there was tape under the wrap. Like, yeah, man. That's the part that gets me is that they, they talk about now they're going to have to relook at their processes and how they do things, but they knew what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they didn't and, appeal. That's the other thing to bring up. They're not appealing. So they're, they've no, accepted they're appealing, that so- this is a penalty and they're going to move forward, but unlike the six and the 34 here, they're going to move forward with their crew chief and with, without a hundred thousand dollar fine and without a hundred point penalty, they've just lost the wins. Kyle loses his second place finish um, already a tense time for Kyle right now at Joe Gibbs. So man, <laughs> I just don't know. I don't really know. I don't want to argue about anything or, you know, really get too deep, but I just don't, it's just so weird. It's one of those things. Maybe NASCAR needs to look at it in the future. Maybe they don't because this doesn't happen again, but, It's just so odd to me that within the same week, two teams, you know, three teams can modify a body part, pretty much breaking the same rules. And um, one of those teams loses their crew chief for four races and tons of money and uh, tons of points. And the others are, they only get, they only lose the race, but um, yeah, that's where we are. I mean, we've talked a little bit about teams pushing the limits here. The Fords have been a little bit slower. Uh, the Toyotas have come on, so I don't know if this is something they discovered and they've been faster a little bit more recently, um, but maybe, I don't know, maybe we're lucky and Penske isn't pushing the limits here. and Maybe they're saving something for the, the playoffs. Yeah. So points are a big deal. We mentioned the fact that, you know, Ryan moves up a couple positions. Um, you know, he still finishes in the back after that crash. Um, but what this does help um, is with just gaining a little, gaining some more points in those stages kind of helps, uh, his position overall and he's lost a little bit here and there uh in the last like three weeks to the the first position so he still sits third in points but there's a lot of scenarios that are that are going to play out over the next few weeks and talked about that window closing there's only two spots and if two more one more guy wins um pretty much ryan's fighting to be highest in points for that last spot two more people win we better hope that that second person is ryan yeah i'm i got the board I'm going to start working on this next week. There'll be like some color graphics to the board, but um, we um, online, there was a question and uh, people are confused and I understand why Um, between the the NASCAR, between NASCAR and um, NBC and so forth, they put out 
three different sets of standings. And what they're doing is the first set of standings, we're going to call that the cutoff line standings. That's the one like during the race itself, NASCAR, NBC, you know, USA, wherever it's at, they like to put this thing on the left-hand side of the screen that shows you where they're running. And let's say, um, for example, right now, you know, it's Ryan and it's Truex, right. That are outside of, uh, they don't have a win, but let's say Amarola, <clears throat> let's say Amarola is leading the race. So all of a sudden they'll take Amarola, they'll put Amarola into the, uh, into that cut line and, uh, above it. And then all of a sudden everybody bumps down one. Okay. So that's what, that's the cutoff standings that you see on, on the screen at that point. And they show it at the end of the race too. Um, and basically what it does is like, okay, so we got chase. Okay. Three wins. Right. And then Ross has two wins and the 20, you know, the 24 has two wins and we go all the way down the line to, you know, Cendric having, having a win, Christopher Bell just got a win. Okay. And then down the bottom, you know, we'll have Ryan and, uh, I'm sorry, the 12 and then, um, the, 19. uh, 19, okay. are the last two guys, they don't have a win, but they're above the cut line. And, um, you know, Ryan's like 106 points above that cut line. So with five races to go point wise, nobody should be able to come past him in points. I mean, nope. that's just, you know, not unless he crashes for five straight races, but don't see that happening. What we got to worry about, or what everybody's worrying about is two guys winning races besides Ryan that don't have a win yet. And that, you know, is, is really concerning. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit scary. And that's what people are, you know, it, it, it dominates all the, uh, the talk shows, you know, all week long, it dominates the, you know, so, but that's, there the are some big name guys out there. They're like, you mentioned Truex is still out there without a win. Obviously Ryan's out there without, without a win. Eric Almirola has pretty much been good for one win the last few years. Mm -hmm. Um, so there are guys out there that are threat. Kevin Harvick, you know, he's yeah. in contention every week in the top 10. He's without a win. So there's more guys out there that are capable of winning than there are spots left in the playoffs. Right. So now the secondary set of standings that you'll see, uh, if you go like, let's say NASCAR.com, okay, is the actual point standings, okay? Chase being the leader, uh, Chastain 105 points back of the leader, Ryan, 111 points back of the leader. Now, where you finish here, the first couple spots, there's actually bonus points toward the playoffs. So if Ryan were to finish third right now, he actually gets some bonus points that he'll get later on when it comes time for the, for the reset for the playoffs. Okay, so you'll see this standing, and this is the normal standings. This is like what it would be if uh, the playoff system didn't exist. Okay, this is the points they gain every week. This is NASCAR.com puts that up in a regular way. Now, when you go to NASCAR.com and then you flick, flick it over and toggle it to playoffs, then what it does is it realigns everybody based on their, on their bonus points and how the playoffs would start. Yeah. So if the playoffs started right now, Ryan would actually be sixth overall. Okay. He has five points from um, his uh, five stage wins. Okay. And you see, it says 2013. So he gets eight bonus points for finishing third in the standings. Okay. So if he wins a race, he's going to think about that. Back to third, I think. It, yeah. yeah. It knocks him. It gives him an extra five more points, puts him back up to third overall. Okay. And that's if the playoffs started today. 
And um, so, you know, winning is, yeah, winning makes it automatic and winning will pop him up in there. Winning all those stages, like I said, is five extra points right now where he'd be down, you know, down here somewhere. So, um, you know, kind of getting, uh, you know, those three different things set up and understanding that there's three different things, the regular standings, you know, uh, if when we were looking at this a couple of weeks ago, if Ryan would have passed chase in the regular standings and been the leader, the leader gets automatically into the playoffs. Even if he doesn't win a race, Yep. if 16 guys would have won races and Ryan would have won the regular season point total uh, point championship without winning a race, he would have bumped one of the guys that won a race. Once again, chase chase is leading right now. So if you come over to what the playoffs look like when they realign the playoffs, the 16th guy starts off with 2000 points and then they give you your points based on stage wins. So if you got a stage win, you get a point. If you had a victory, you get five points. Um, so all those guys that got one victory are going to start off with at least 2005. But like I said, Ryan's got five stage points. Plus he gets some bonus points for finishing in the top two or three in the standings. Um, I think it's 10 points for second. I think it's 15 for first. So, you know, like, like I said, you know, Chase starting off, you know, and this is what made Larson so dangerous last year, starting the playoffs is he had so many points that he could have made two mistakes, you know, yep. every other round. And then, and yet he went on and won every other round. So, um, so yeah, we got three sets of standings. The first one is the one everybody's going to be worried about every week. This is the one and NASCAR and NBC is going to put on the side of the screen, show you where they are in the running order. Um, 14 guys have a victory. So you want to be number 15 if you can and not have to worry about it. Um, but like I said, watch it carefully because let's say Amarola takes the lead on a pit cycle or something this weekend, right? Now all of a sudden they show Amarola in the playoffs and they show Martin Truex out of the playoffs, you know, because point wise, he got, you know, he got, you know, doesn't have enough, uh, well, he doesn't have a, a victory, you know, and it's the 15th victory. But like I said, by the end of the race, that all sorts itself out. And then we go to the regular standings right now. You know, we're not going to catch Chase at this point unless he crashes for five straight weeks. But it would be nice to catch Chastain. You know, there's only six points here. <clears throat> Excuse me. You catch Chastain, it's more points to finish second for your bonus points later on here when they reset the playoffs. So like I said, this board next week will be even better, bigger, better, badder. And uh, we'll go through it a little quicker. But uh, like I said, there was a bunch of questions online on how the point systems work and why there's all these different standings that you're looking at. Um, but that's what it is. One is how to get to the playoffs. One is what NASCAR does for regular scoring. And then the third one is what'll happen once they realign for the playoffs. If you Hopefully want to see helps. Steve's fancy board of points and math, uh, you can catch that uh, a few weeks ago. You know, we kind of quietly launched just a YouTube version of the podcast. I mean, we weren't really expecting much there, but we did kind of want to go on record with some of the video that we have. Uh, so Steve's been trying to add in some uh, some yeah. visuals to this. Um, we might even throw it on Facebook. Uh, we did put our, our interview with Don Hawk on Facebook, and that did really, really well. So that's something we'll be considering. Uh, the yeah. one thing with the points, Steve, that concerns me, uh, one, well, two things, one makes me sad. One concerns me, you know, just, I think three races ago, Ryan was only 28 points out of the regular season lead and chase just has gone on this incredible run of top two finishes. And then having that win kind of, you know, gifted to him this past week, 
So that gap has widened past 100 points. The other gap that can that concerns me is the one between he and Truex, because that's still really important to at least be in that 15th position, just in case there is one yeah. one more winner. Um, yeah, one and, more then, and then yeah, because but that gap is also getting a little bit closer, and it's within about 20 or so so points now as well. So that's one to watch. Um, I know the 12 team can get back to consistency here. And the first place that they can do that um, is a track that they performed at really well last year. And that's where the cup series is headed. And that's to the Indianapolis motor speedway. But for the second year in a row, they're going to be on the road course for the Verizon 200 this weekend, Sunday, July 31st. Uh, you can catch the race at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time on NBC on the radio with the IMS radio network and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Um, this race last year, you attended that event. I know you guys are uh, excited to attend the event again this year uh, out there with all of those other Blaney fans that are out there supporting the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. Uh, Ryan ended up ends up finishing second in that race to A.J. Allmendinger and had a shot, too, to win it last year that made things pretty exciting. Yeah, it was a late, late, late caution, late restart, uh, started second, uh, but just couldn't get to AJ. Um, yeah, a couple notes about this week. Um, the Ryan Blade Family Foundation posted uh, on Tuesday that there's only a couple tickets left. So get there, get your tickets. Somebody asked about autograph opportunities and things like that. Now, the ticket, $75, gets you the uh, Ryan Blaney Family Foundation special shirt. It's a purple shirt. Um, it gets you a cooling towel. It also gets you to a questions and answer section session. Now I'm not guaranteeing any kind of autographs. Okay. But you at least get a Q and a session chance to take some, you know, up close pictures of Ryan, uh, maybe get to ask him a question. Uh, so it's a really kind of cool little perk. Um, but like I said, there's only a couple of tickets left. So get your hands on those in the next day or two. Um, and then we will release information as we get it on what time and where to meet for that um i uh was in contact with patty Oliver herself and she said that uh, she will email us info as soon as indianapolis gets back to them on where they're going to be set up uh usually it's somewhere you know inside of the track behind the pagoda somewhere um but she'll let us know what time and we'll post that social media for that so just a couple little things there to look out for in the next couple days so I'm a kind of a broken record on this every time we talk about road courses and we do it more and more, um, especially last year. I think they had seven on the schedule with the uh, Daytona added. And this year they had six on the schedule. Ryan, one of the most underrated road course racers in the series, a 12.2 average finish on the road courses over his career. Like I said, he was second at Indy last year in this race. Uh, so far this year, they've run three. He was six at Coda where he sat on the pole. Uh, finished sixth at Sonoma in a really strong run, 11th at Road America. So that he kind of finished back more toward where his average is there. Um, but he knows how to wheel this car, uh, even this new car too, uh, around road courses. So it's always uh, one of those races, you know, he's looking for this victory. Um, he's got up against some stiff competition because you do those two cars at Trackhouse Racing are really, really good. And Chase Elliott is on one heck of a roll. And I would not be surprised to see him running up front uh, again in this race. Yeah, I, you know, this weekend, you don't I don't think there's we should look for any new winners. <laughs> you know, I know when it comes time to you know the, the look at this whole playoff standings and 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 so forth. I don't see anybody coming from below the cut line. Um, at least not anybody who's within the top thirty in points. <laughs> that's that's a that's serious risk. Um, Tyler Reddick, uh, you know, showed at the last 
last road course that uh you know road america what you what he can do um the road courses are so so different too you just say road course and you think oh man they're they're all but they're different too um sonoma or watkins Glen, which they've been going to for years and years and years they've learned how to run them and they run them in a certain way um whereas some of these newer ones they're uh they're a little bit different and the guys are still learning where breaking points are and, and, and where they can actually make a pass. So um, the curbing thing last year was a big deal and they tore that up. And I'm curious to see what um, Indianapolis motor speedway has done. I'm sure they had to have done something with that turtle or whatever to keep them from launching like they did last year. Um, I can't, I can't wait to get there and, and see it uh, this weekend. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this race. There's been some chatter again, and I want to get your thoughts on this. On, uh, you know, Pocono went fairly well with the next gen car. A little bit more exciting race than we've seen there recently. Um, Pocono is one of those tracks that people are looking at to see, you know, if we ever do go back to the Oval at Indianapolis, that's one place that might give us a little bit of an idea of what the race would be like. I do think there's the opportunity, you know, the race last year was exciting. Um, there was some shenanigans at the end between Briscoe and Hamlin that made it a little bit more exciting. Um, so, but I do think if they go back to this road course here and it's, you know, a lights out, you know, action packed event, it's going to be really tough for the crowd that kind of wants them to go back to the historic oval, which there's a lot of drive. I know Kevin Harvick's pretty vocal about it. Uh, Chase Briscoe, who, you know, he's actually won, an Xfinity race there and was in contention to win last year, kind of even said, you know, man, I grew up in Indiana. I wish they kind of would go back to the oval again. You have any thoughts on, on whether they should stick with the road course or maybe even consider going back to the oval in the future. The, I understand the prestige of driving on the oval there, but because of the car, and even the newer new version of the car, I don't think it's going to make that big a difference. That place is just not built for a stock car to, to make the stock car moves um, around the track. Uh, open wheel. Yeah. The Indy car, definitely. Those things are low, you know, downforce type things and they're low to the ground and they, they're 200, 220 miles an hour into the corner and they grip like crazy. Um, but a stock car, it's just the place, the way it's built, the rectangle, the, the, the tight turns that they are, they might as well race the road course. It's, it's going to be a lot more fun, um, a lot more interesting um, and better racing. Um, they just, they proved it over the last couple of years. Uh, I don't think the generation of car makes a difference. So for now, they will continue on here at the Indianapolis road course at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. You can catch the race this Sunday, July 31st, the Verizon 200, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time on NBC, on the radio with the IMS radio network and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Um, so <laughs> we should transition over to the, the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League here. And this was a very interesting weekend. Uh, because uh, uh, for a lot of people, not just not just Steve. So Steve, before the DQs, was finished up in the top ten uh, yeah. for for the week. Um, I didn't do so hot. I did have I I did take a hit though because I had Denny Hamlin in my my lineup, so I took a hit there. Um, there are several other people through Discord and through Twitter contacting me. You know, like oh man, you know I was in the top ten or I was in the lead all the way until the DQs happened. So. Um, I'm happy a little bit because it did bump Steve out of the top 10, 
Um, so why don't we go through our lineups, uh, who we did have in, in our lineups and maybe how we were affected here by some of these disqualifications that happened. Uh, so for me going into the race at Pocono, I started Chase Elliott, uh, who ended up winning. Uh, Bubba Wallace, who had a solid run. Chris Busher, who I thought was going to have a solid run, but ran into some trouble during the race. Uh, Denny Hamlin was in my lineup. So, you know, you know, Elliot was going to finish third. I was going to have Hamlin there finishing in first. Um, took your advice, which you even talked about this on the podcast last week about, yeah, I told Adam, you know, he's got all these starts with Ryan left. Let's start Ryan. Uh, so Adam goes ahead and starts Ryan and he finishes uh, uh, in the back. <laughs> so we, Dude, he was running well. It was setting up to be a, yeah. a decent top five finish, yeah. you know, you know, finished pretty high in each of those stages. So it was going to be good all the way up until the flat tire and the crash. And in the garage, I left Kyle Larson and I didn't make any changes. So um, that's how that went. My featured matchups, I picked Christopher Bell over Kevin Harvick. That turned out right. I picked Almarola over Eric Jones. That did not work out well. Jones did have a strong run. Almarola, I think, ended up finishing 13th. Uh, in the third set there, I picked Brad Keselowski over Austin Dillon. That didn't work out. And in the final one here, I picked Hamlin or I picked Kyle Busch over Hamlin. And they ended up being credited with 35th and 36th position overall. Uh, so that didn't work out for me. So it was just not a good week. Even I think if I had Hamlin still in there, um, it still wasn't going to work out. I was still about 100 points off the lead. Who did you have in your what was an amazing starting lineup at first? <laughs> Uh, yeah. who'd you have <laughs> well it's interesting you, you talk about where they finish but you got to realize too that stage points were different for different drivers too because of the different strategies so but in the overall i had what would have been the first second third and fourth place finishers or second first second third and sixth place finishers i don't know i had i had kyle, denny hammond kyle bush chase elliott and then bell and truex so let's see, Bell would have been six, Trix would have been ninth, and I would have had one, two, three, <laughs> six, nine. <laughs> Instead, I've, I've got one, four, and seven. Not too bad. And, and then 35 and 36. Ouch. How'd you do in the, in the matchups? Um, I had Bell over Harvick. I did have Amarola, unfortunately. Uh, I had Brad Keselowski, unfortunately. But I had Denny Hamlin with that big 35th place finish beating Kyle Bush by one position. So. <laughs> so one thing I do want to take from listening to you guys last week, and I don't know why I haven't done this in the, you know, a year and a half. Um, well, I'm going to go through the, uh, the, the standings and points earned for this week at Pocono. And I'm going to go ahead and do what Kate did. And I'm actually going to start at the bottom instead of the top. And I'm like, why haven't I been doing this? That makes so much more sense uh, to not reveal who ended up in, ended up in first until the end. So uh, kudos to Kate for that idea. Yeah. So that's we had why, some, that's why we pay her the big bucks. <laughs> so we did have some duplicates in here. So it, it, I'm going to go through the top 10 here, but really I'm going to start with ninth because we have a, a tie here uh, for the ninth position with Frygal 12 and David Lazaro tied 168 points in eighth B Rye 12, 169 in seventh Blaney or bust 170 in sixth, no hesitation. 172 in fifth once uh matt o with 173 in fourth cash 730-180. in third moose 1616 with 182 points uh in second blaniac 10 191 points and in the first position in points earned in the team blaney nascar fantasy live league this past week for pocono raceway we have flying ryan 12 
211 points earned. So Steve, you before the reset from the DQs, you were in the 10th position. You dropped 10 spots all the way down to a tie in 20th with Eric D15 with 146 points. And I'm, man, right around where I used to be all, all the time last year in the 43rd position with 122 points. So I ended up way, way off here from the lead, unfortunately, just uh, due to some of the decisions that I made. So now let's take a look at the overall league standings for the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League and holding down the 10th position with 3,856 points is Supermod. In ninth, Eric D15. In eighth, Blaney Kicks. Beep. In seventh, Factory of Sadness 6. In sixth, The Dalai Lama 4. In fifth, Two Bushes, No Johnsons with 3,918 points. In fourth, Moose Hunter 1960. In third, last year's defending champion Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing. In four, and second, Math Mom 4. And in the first position right now, overall, Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. Fry Gal 12, 4,091 points. Um, so Fry Gal has a pretty decent lead uh, over second right now. And it's going to get interesting as we head into the playoffs. Uh, Steve's team, Mez 12, is in the 21st position, 3,723 points. And I am in the 31st position, uh, 3,603 points. So I'm 120 points away from Steve right now. Um, which there was a point when I had leapfrogged him in the standings, but I had some issues where I forgot to set a lineup, I think, when I went to Atlanta and uh, <laughs> have just made some horrible, horrible picks since then. So uh, we just talked about the Indianapolis road course. The defending winner there is AJ Allmendinger. Um, I think they actually, I can't pronounce the guy's name. They do have a Russian former Formula One driver who um, actually had some pretty solid start starts for uh, Red Bull and Toro Rosso and, uh, a couple of other teams in the last, you know, five or six years, that's going to run the, one of the team Hesenberg cars. I don't know what kind of impact he's going to have on the race, but those are kind of like the two wild cards that are in this race. I know you, you kind of favor Almondinger a lot uh, when it comes to road course races, but anybody that's a guarantee for your lineup this week. I, I said Tyler Reddick. I, I do think Tyler Reddick um, shows up pretty big here. Chase Briscoe. You know, as long as we don't do any off-roading, should be in good shape. Um, but once again, the, the, learning what we learned from last year, turn one is such a key key element to the whole race. Um, the way they barrel down into one and how they make that turn and how many guys get bumped out of the way, um, changing their track position quickly, um, how many restarts there are during the day is going to be key. If there's only the three restarts, you know, the initial start and the two-stage starts, it won't be too bad. And, you know, everybody's strategy will work out, but if we get to the end of the race and have three or four restarts, like we did last year, we could see some crazy things could be really, really kind of nuts, you know? So, um, just hopefully that, uh, Brian does the same thing this year. He did last year, stay out of everybody else's trouble, um, make hay when you can make hay and, uh, be there at the end with the fenders on it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be taking a look at Almondinger, possibly for my lineup and also the two team track house cars because they've been fast at every road course this year. 
So Steve, I think that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Team Blaney podcast. I want to thank everyone once again for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, please listen to our very first episode that dives deep into our Blaney fandom. You can interact with us on Facebook and Twitter at Team Blaney and on Instagram at team.blaney. Finally, I want to recognize the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization championed by Ryan and his family supports causes like the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. Find out more about the foundation online at ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org or on any of their active social media channels. And I know, Steve, you just kind of gave them uh, uh, some uh, some more information on the ticket packages that they will still have. Uh, they might still have available if you can get yeah. on there. But the oh, goal, yeah. as you've said all along, is to try to turn the the stands purple right there. Turn those grandstands purple. We're going to all be sitting together. Let's get that those grandstands purple. Um, maybe who knows? Maybe we can get Rutledge up there during the broadcast and uh, get a shirt on him too. And uh, you know, this this weekend uh, pretty exciting all around. You know, Indianapolis uh, brings back the truck series to uh, uh, IRP. So uh, the playoffs actually start for the truck series starting this Friday night. So I know we follow Josh and Josh does shot um, spot for St. Smith. So if you get a chance Friday night, tune in for that. And um, yeah, let's see what happens this week in Indianapolis. It should be fun. So for my co-host, Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time right here on the team. Blaney podcast. Good night, Brussels. Good night, Dublin.